Remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You may be seated. An old song expresses the feelings of excitement and joy that a sinner that meets Jesus and like the prodigal son comes home and the father embraces him and he's a new born again person. An old song expresses that joy. Something got a hold of me. Something got a hold of me. I went there to fight, but oh my that night, God certainly got a hold of me. Now, I sang it in the early service, but the containers weren't in here. <laughs> Last week at the drama, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, we saw more than 300 people crowd this platform in the altar area, coming down with tears streaming down their cheeks to pray the sinner's prayer. We collected over 300 uh, decision cards that night. Monday night, it was the same thing. Tuesday night, the same thing again. And I'm telling you, it was absolutely incredible. About 748 people filled out decision cards in the three nights. I would guess that maybe a thousand people prayed that prayer sincerely to invite Jesus into their heart because we didn't get cards on everyone. Amen. One week ago, yesterday, our prison team, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 people invaded the prisons and uh, about Two or three hundred people gave their heart to God inside the prison walls. Amen. Praise God. Yesterday at Brentwood Park, 3,000 volunteers from all the churches, and this was the miracle to get all the churches that participated working together side by side, love in action, the love of God spread abroad over this city by people from many, many churches. Over 3,000 volunteers. And I don't know, we estimated 10,000 people. The police said 15,000. We don't know how many people came in that, those gates that day. But it was wonderful to see tons and tons of food distributed and all kinds of venues, free services and, and, and things for people to do. And uh, the ministry that went on on those grounds. Can we give the Lord a praise offering? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> You know, some people are afraid that we will exaggerate the number. Instead of thanking God and being so excited about it, they're afraid that we'll exaggerate it a little bit. I don't think we exaggerate. I think we underestimate. Because when we prayed that sinner's prayer with the people here on the platform, everyone in the building prayed that prayer. Hundreds of people prayed that prayer all over the building. How many were afraid to walk down front because they didn't know if we were going to knock them down, drag them out, whatever. They saw people being drug out to hell. And, and so 
and they weren't ready to climb the stairway into heaven. And so uh, they just didn't come down. But they prayed that prayer. Everybody prayed that prayer out loud. So I really don't know how many people really got through to God, but I trust it was a lot more than we knew about. I wish that everyone was like the angels. When one sinner gets saved, angels get excited. And if we have two people get saved, they probably think, you know, some of our people think we exaggerated one but one. <laughs> you know what Jesus said? I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. In verse 10 of the same chapter, likewise I say unto you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now we gave a half-hearted expression of joy a moment ago when we gave a hand clap and a little shout about people getting saved. I want us to really put the angels to shame right now. You know, if there's joy in heaven, stand up and let's give God praise. Woo! Woo! Glory! <laughs> praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! <laughs> you may be seated. The new believers have many expressions, but among them, like the song says, I've been changed. His grace and mercy. I'm not going to attempt to sing those, but I tell you, they express a lot of joy over what takes place in a sinner's heart. They're common practices. I call them the believer's behavior outlined in Acts chapter 2 that I just read in your hearing and you join with me as you followed in your Bible. They gladly received the word. Many were added to other believers. They joined in with the believers in regular attendance. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. They continued in fellowship. They continued in breaking of bread, which many believe is the communion service or the Lord's Supper. They had all things common. Some of them sold their possessions and gave to the needy. They continued daily with one accord in the temple. They continued from house to house in home groups. They ate meals with great joy and thankfulness. They praised God and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. All believers need to adopt certain things that would be common and it would be universal. They do what all other believers do. We may be different in some things, but we're alike in a lot of things. We are part of the family of God. We're part of the same family. We've been born again. Nobody's saved unless they've been born again. We're all going to heaven, the same heaven, the one Jesus went back to, the one that he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. There are a number of things listed here in this passage that I read to you and enumerated after the reading that I call the believer's behavior. Sometimes people behave unwisely and uh, shamefully but then sometimes people behave the way they really should, reflecting the life of Christ 
and the born-again experience and the joy of knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The first thing that I notice in this behavior is they received the Word of God. You're not going far in your Christian walk without the Bible. So you need to acknowledge the Bible is the Word of God from cover to cover, from kiver to kiver, from Genesis to Revolution. It's the Word of God. You must receive the Word of God. Read it. Believe it. Live by it. Memorize portions of it. Study it. Get in Bible study groups. Attend Sunday school. It's all important. We know that the Word of God teaches us how to be saved. As many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says, If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We're also told, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If it were not for these things, we would not know whether or not our name is indeed recorded on the Lamb's Book of Life. But we know that if we do those things, our name is recorded on the Lamb's Book of Life and we're going to make it to heaven. This Bible is the Word of God. It doesn't just merely contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. So read it, be guided by it, and live by it. The second thing I notice is they were baptized in water. Now, this is the believer's behavior. I'm amazed at the people that walk around and claim to be Christians and they have not been baptized in water since their conversion. It doesn't matter what happened to you as a baby. You, you were not a sinner as a baby. And so your water baptism reflects your testimony to the world that you were a sinner, but now you're saved. And so you need to get baptized in water after you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We don't baptize infants, and so I'm not going there. But I tell you, we do believe that even children and young people and adults all should be baptized in water when they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's your public testimony that you're saved, that things are different. You've been changed. You're born again. It's a symbol of a death, a burial, and a resurrection. We don't sprinkle people because that doesn't cover all those symbols. We immerse them in water. And it can be done in a creek or a river or the ocean. We have a baptistry. It's heated up, and we're going to baptize some people tonight at 6 o'clock. And so I believe you should be baptized in water. If you can't wait till 6 o'clock tonight, see us. We'll do it right after church this morning. Right after church, we'll baptize you before you leave this property. You might get hit by a car, never make it back here tonight. So why don't you get baptized before you leave? I believe in water baptism. I don't believe that it's essential to salvation. But it is essential to a consistent Christian walk and being obedient to the Word of God. And people who have not been baptized in water are living in disobedience. And you know what happened to Jesus when he was baptized? He told John the Baptist, I, I want you to baptize. Oh, I couldn't do that. John said, I have need to be baptized of you. He's talking about the spirit baptism. Jesus said, John, it behooves us to do this to fulfill righteousness. Jesus did not get baptized to repent of his sins. He did not get baptized to get saved. He, was, he never was lost. He never committed a sin. It had nothing to do with his salvation or conversion. He got baptized to be our example in all things. And so his water baptism was a public testimony of his faith in God Almighty as his heavenly father. And God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
And the Bible says when he was baptized, he came up out of the water. So I believe you need to go down in the water. John took him down in the water and then he came up out of the water. Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. They both went down into the water. They both came up out of the water. So there's a lot of water. I believe it takes more than a cup full. And, and so there, there was an immersion that took place. But when Jesus came up out of the water, the Bible says the heavens were open. Maybe you've been feeling like the heavens are brass and you can't get a prayer above your head. Maybe it's because you're living in disobedience and you've never been baptized in water. Try it. You may see the windows of heaven open up immediately when you get in obedience to God's command to be baptized in water. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said that. Nobody need to come up with a different formula. No one need to come up with a different commandment. Jesus said that. So water baptism is important. As I said, it's a type of death and burial and resurrection. The next thing I notice in this list of things that is the believer's behavior, their worship, their prayer, their praise. Thank you, Katinas, for leading us in worship. Something swept over this house. Oh, praise God. It was spontaneous. You didn't have to be told how to do it. You just did it your own way. But in your way, you praised God and you worshiped. And the Bible tells us they continued praising God. They continued, don't stop. Don't quit when you leave here today. Praise God all week. Praise God the rest of your lifetime. They continued in prayers. So don't stop praying. Be in the prayer meeting tonight at 5.15. Men, be in our prayer meeting in the Family of Life Center tomorrow morning at 5.30. One hour with God every Monday morning. Men from this church, anywhere from 20 to 50 men gather. And when Frank Abrazay serves sausage gravy and biscuits, it jumps up to about 60. <laughs> but I tell you, it'll be rich in the morning. So come on, 5.30 and pray one hour with us tomorrow morning. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the introduction. That's the approach. That's how you come to God. Humbly in prayer and worship, acknowledging who God is. Recognize that he is good, that he is a sovereign God, that he reigns. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. How can you pray and give God your wish list without recognizing who God is? You need to acknowledge who God is. So the believer's behavior included constant prayer. They continued in prayers. And the sacrifices of praise, the Bible says, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Amen. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, ye as lively stones have built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ Jesus. We're to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Let's stop and do it again. Give God some praise. <laughs> hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In verse 42 of this text, they continued in fellowship. They were not lone rangers. They didn't just come in and and say the sinner's prayer and then go as a recluse, back away, crawfish away from society. They continued in fellowship, breaking bread from house to house. And the Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. 
There was a congregation. There was an assembly. There was a gathering. There was a church. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, meaning a group of called out ones. We're called out to be family. We're called to be one. And so don't pull away from people of like precious faith. Get involved. Become a church member. Whatever church that you should become a member of, I don't know if this is the right one or not. And, and so you just pray about that, but find a church that you can be a member of. If you find the perfect church, don't you dare join that church. You'll ruin it. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. The belief that God is the creator of the universe. That he made all things. That Jesus, his son, with him, made all things. The Holy Ghost brooded over the face of the deep and brought order out of chaos. They preached the sovereignty of God. They preached the lordship of Christ, the apostles' doctrine I'm talking about. They preached his virgin birth, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. They preached the authority of scriptures. This is important, friends. I want you to know something. The Bible, as I said, does not contain the word of God. It is the word of God. The apostle Paul said all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable. You need to believe that from cover to cover, it's the Word of God. Read it. We have a Bible reading guide that will take you through your Bible in one year. It simply amounts to about three chapters a day, four some days, and two some other days. But at the end of the year, you'll satisfactorily say, praise God, I made it. I read this Bible through from cover to cover. And that is an important achievement on your part. The apostles preached the doctrine of Jesus and the church, the believers practiced the apostles' doctrines. One of the mainstays of their doctrines was divine healing. Divine healing and miracles and signs and wonders. It's not something for yesterday. It happened yesterday, but it is still happening. We receive incredible testimonies and have this past week of marvelous miracles that are taking place in answer to prayer. Surgeries being canceled cancer being healed, all kinds of things that are taking place, signs and wonders being done in the name of the Lord Jesus. We have a 91-year-old mother in this sanctuary today that was healed by a great miracle of God just recently. Another thing the apostles preached and the believers practiced was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they all came together in one mind and one accord. And the Holy Ghost descended upon them and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We make no apology about being a Pentecostal church because in the early days of the church, the church was thoroughly Pentecostal. It started on a Pentecostal uh, emphasis, if you please. Every book of the New Testament was written by a tongues-talking Pentecostal preacher. You know, one, one thing is interesting also because we've become exclusive. We've almost um, read one line in the Bible and, you know, it says something about tongues passing away. Well, sure it will. When we get to heaven, we won't need to speak in tongues. There'll be a universal language. And so that which is in part shall be done away with. When we see that which is fully revealed of the Son of God and all things are clear, so we won't need to repent of sin 
We won't need water baptism. We won't need to have communion services. We're going to be in the living presence of God forever and ever. So there's a lot of things that won't continue when we get to heaven. But I have a feeling that I really do need the Holy Spirit. I really need him. I can't do without him. And I need the baptism that is associated with his coming upon my life and infilling and indwelling my life to a capacity that I can pray in a language I never learned. It's a beautiful experience. I commend it to you. I believe these people who are on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, first part of the chapter, they spoke in tongues. 120 people in the upper room. And you say, well, maybe they're just speaking one language or two languages. Well, there were so many nationalities there, about 12 or 13 nationalities. They all heard them speak in their tongue the wonderful works of God. So it wasn't just one or two languages. There were many languages spoken that day. And I believe that we can communicate to God. The Bible teaches us that when we pray in tongues, we're praying not to men, we're praying to God. And God needs to hear us speak from our heart and our spirit. Nobody knows our heart and our spirit better than the Holy Ghost does. And he can tell the Father things that we can't even tell him and things that we're not willing to tell him. And the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf in that wonderful prayer language. It's also associated with gifts the gift of speaking with tongues and interpretation of tongues and the gift of prophecy, which always requires an interpretation and being spoken so the people will be edified. Another thing about the apostles' doctrine was they preached the coming of Christ again. They witnessed his ascension, but they preached that he was coming back because he told them he's coming back. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house have many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again. I will come again. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. I believe in the rapture, pre-tribulation rapture, pre-millennial rapture. I believe that before Antichrist is able to take over this world, the salt and the light, which is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to have to be removed. You see, I just don't have a lot of faith in the Antichrist. Brother Asa Jones and I were talking one day in a radio interview. I said, Brother Asa, do you believe in the devil? He said, sure, I believe in the devil, but I don't have any faith in him. Yeah. I believe in the Antichrist, but I don't have any faith in him. I don't believe he's stronger than God. I don't believe he's stronger than the church. I don't believe the Antichrist, the false prophet, and all of the demons that will be working with him are stronger than the Lord's church. And as long as we're on this earth, I don't believe he can take over. When we're removed, then he will make his attempt at world power. I know my time is up, but I believe in the rapture. I believe in the second advent of Christ. After the rapture, Jesus is coming back at the end of the tribulation and the saints are coming with him. The armies which are in heaven, clothed in white robes, to put down the armies of the Antichrist. And Jesus is going to establish the millennial reign of 1,000 years of peace on this earth. I'm talking about the believer's behavior, continuing in the apostles' doctrine. I've just given you a little gist of several doctrinal issues and matters. But I believe you need that. You need that. No matter, if you've been saved 40 years, you need that. If you've been saved four days, you need that. If you got saved yesterday, you need that. The people who called into our television program this morning, an hour earlier than this, some of them prayed the sinner's prayer. They need that. 
they need to continue in these things. And so let's get on with serving God with all of our heart, with all the intensity of our life. Will you stand for prayer? Please, no one leaving. Honor this moment of invitation, please. If you're in this building as an unsaved person, you've never given your heart to God in reality, and you're not sure you're born again, or if you're a backslider, I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, I know you're talking to me. I need Jesus in my life. Will you pray for me? Will you be my prayer partner? Just slip your hand up wherever you are. First in the balcony, just slip your hand up up in the balcony so that I can identify you. I will not call you out. And just slip your hand up on the lower level. To my left, to my left, slip your hand up. If you're not absolutely 100% sure that you're saved, slip your hand up for prayer. What about in the center, right here? Just raise your hand. And to my right, anywhere. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we commend this congregation to you. We've preached your word. And I pray that not one person will leave out of here without having made things right with God. I ask, Lord, for a powerful conviction in Jesus' name. I don't know if you'll do it or not after you leave here. So I want to be sure you do it before you leave here. I'm going to ask everyone in this building to pray the short sinner's prayer with me now. Please join me. Dear God in heaven, I confess my sins. Please forgive me. I'm sorry that I failed. I want to be a Christian. I want to live the right kind of life. I need the help of the Holy Spirit. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to slip out down this aisle and I'm going to be at the front door. And if you prayed that prayer sincerely and you invited Jesus into your heart, I want you to come out and tell me that before you leave. So I'll ask Pastor Gary to come and dismiss you while I make my way to the back. Join hands right across the room. You know, the world is here in our city, and I just think it would be fitting to close this service in praying that Jesus will be lifted up, that the uh, witness of the church will be strong, and that as we go, we'll be able to take Christ out into the marketplace. Father, we thank you for the ministry of the Word this morning, and I pray that we'll hide it in our hearts. I pray that we will not sin against God. We thank you for the ministry of the Katinas and how they've led us in worship in this house today. And Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and to draw us close to Christ. Father, as the world is visiting our city this weekend, we pray that the church will shine brightly with the love of Christ. I pray that the world will see that there's something different about this city, that your glory will abide over this city even today, Father. As we go out into the marketplace, as we go to our homes and to our neighborhoods, God, may we be witnesses for the kingdom of God. May we touch lives as Jesus, you would do. In your name, we ask for your blessings. Amen and amen. Shake hands, love one another in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.